and wow bags. We have wonderful angels who brought Look us at these wow angels. Bags. So if you'd like to come back up, kids, and get your wow bags, feel free to do so. It looks like some are going out. But come on up and get those hogs if you need something to keep you busy, if you want to get a wow bag. That's all right. God's amazing and wonderful grace be yours today. I know over this Thanksgiving week there's been a lot going on, and uh, Pastor Ted will be including some of those prayers here later, but uh, some of you who have been around for a while might remember Sylvia Franzmeyer. She's in the hospital down in the valley. Jerry Vi uh, returned uh, yesterday to the hospital. His daughter, uh, Julie's in town, was able to help get him back there from uh, Broadmoor where he'd been staying. Judy Trollope had some fever issues and went back downtown. And, and uh, Ben Velasquez, we got you in our thoughts and prayers this morning as you, for the loss of your father. And I know uh, God's going to continue to give you help and healing through that as well. And I know there's many other prayers uh, and uh, concerns for us, the Soneses. Uh, as you who were here Wednesday night realized we were not, uh, we went up to the farm. Uh, we haven't been home for Thanksgiving and who knows how long. So it was a blessing to be there. I had family, not only who lives right there, but those who uh, came in from Missouri, and uh, we had a great chance to, to be together. And I thought, kept thinking of that as we spent time together with our family, with my mom and dad, whose uh, bodies are failing, but minds and hearts and spirits are good, as we spent time with uh, my almost 90-year-old aunt, and they kind of go down from there, down to the youngest, who's my uncle, as far as that generation. Uh, being there and, and sitting in the grounds that I played as a child and our children played as they were children and, and just thinking about the legacy, a legacy of faith, a legacy of living, a legacy of prayer, uh, a legacy of enjoying and experiences together and making those memories, a legacy of do you remember when? And we've been talking about legacies ourselves because we came out of we could do more together and what we together, God has called us as we experienced with uh, the baptism this morning too. We say we, not just you, but we together are here to encourage and to help. We can do more together. So the legacy question has come to say, so what are we going to do? What are we doing more together? What are we about as God's church? And today, this uh, lesson from Jude is an interesting one because what it does is it provides us a platform. Now, a lot of the platform of Jude is around this. It's around the aspect of, of false teachers. It's around the church that's being rocked by those who come and try to bring a different gospel, who try to shift the, the direction of the church, who try and take away the, the joy of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the grace of God that comes to us. And this isn't unusual because throughout the ages we've seen where either by the action of the people, as we see in Hebrews 10, 24, and 25, where there's obviously been a lack of gathering together, or if it's been by false teachers who try to kind of push us a different way in life, that there's always been that tension that exists in terms of living under the grace and power of God, but also living in a world which includes also even those in the church who try to pull us away from the blessings of Jesus Christ. And yet, being called to that world and called to those who don't know Jesus and to really have a life and a legacy 
of bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ to those around us. And so, as we were spending our time and together, and, and unfortunately, one of the legacies of my one aunt is that she believes, and she's probably right, that she makes the best pecan pie in Coriel County. And so she made enough pecan pies that I can't even tell you how many pies kept going out there, but there were so many that we brought two home. And no, you're not welcome to any of it. But the legacy of seeing the heart of that family, many of them who are simple farmers and very simple lives and very direct in terms of they are part of the community. They have not done anything so great as to be in newspapers or news stories, but their lives have served as a legacy. So Jude comes along and we have this message. And here's my question for you is as I'm thinking and looking at these people and what they've brought to us, and you have these people in your life, might have been your parents, it might have been that teacher in school, it may have been that Sunday school teacher, it may have been a number of people who poured themselves into you and you saw something about their life, and it might have been in the midst of chaos in your own, it may have been in the deep depth of, of, of hurt and pain, and yet this person or these people had a life in which you saw them under the grace of God and said, that's what I want to be like. Some of you became school teachers because of a school teacher who affected you. Some of you had had an interest in going into counseling because at one time in your life when you were in need, someone who was a counselor helped you through that. And you said, I could do that. Some of you saw the uh, importance of building and engineering and, and how people made a difference on society. You said, I want to do that. And your interest flowed into that. There are those who have had a desire and come out of this congregation to be a pastor or a DCE. Those who said, I'd like to work with children or youth, music. And perhaps there's been someone who's been instrumental in that. And there may be someone, as you look in your life, that when you follow down in your family, there's a list of accountants or a list of engineers or a list of all those things. But among that was someone who also carried the faith. But, you know, it meant that they had to have a life worth duplicating. And so when I look at myself, and you can look at yourself as well, because, you know, when we look at it is our life, the way we respond to hardships is the way that we go about life. Is it a life that we'd want someone else to pick up and duplicate? Even with our faults, is it a life that we would want to see someone else use as a, a pattern? Now, the book of Jude brings about and, and shares with us in the midst of hardships and struggles, even within the church itself, some pieces that help us perhaps to ask some questions around this, to be thinking about how God has formed us and then how God can even use our greatest weaknesses. And so this question could come up, and as you're following along, you'll see some verses in the bulletin that go along with what you see on the screen. But what are you known for? What is it about your life? What is it that we see about us that others would say, yeah, I want that. I want Jesus in my life. I want God to be a part of me. 
And he begins this little section here by just simply, out of all the challenges, all the heartaches, all the hurts, he then comes in with this huge but tiny word where he says, but you. And what's he call the people of God here? What's he reaching out to them and to you and me today? He uses simply this word, beloved. It's such an intimate word. It is such a word of relationship. It's such a reminder of God's heart for us and how much is he saving the world and for God so loved the whole world that he loved you. Today as we baptize Athanasius and to realize that God personally and intimately through the waters of baptism, taking his word and directly having the words of calling him into life with Jesus, that God said to him through those words, beloved. That we are beloved and we belong and that we are God. And it is such an intimate aspect of God who looks at you and looks at me and says, But, you know, now you, beloved. That God has that type of thing in which we would see in our own life that that would be a first stepping stone, a first piece to be duplicated, to be one who knows, one who is living, one who is experiencing the love and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. That if there's anything else that kind of runs through as a thread, no matter how successful, no matter how many challenges that there are there, even persecution or hurt or pain, that what people would see in us in those times would not be pitying us for what we're going through or holding us up because of what we've experienced, but what they see there is stamped below, beyond, and behind, and on top of that, that we are God's beloved. That we are those that God has put on our life and we have that relationship so that we would know and convey and duplicate that God loves us. Now he goes on to say here, building yourselves up in the most holy faith. It's interesting because in this section we see both the aspect of the reflection and the fact that it's all because of God. But on the other hand, there's a challenge that goes there that we would be going about our life knowing that God is the one who builds up. God is the one who brings faith. God who does this. And yet, at the same time, this writer here then says to us by the word of the Holy Spirit himself, now you build up yourselves in what the most holy faith. That there is an intentionality about being built up and building. I think there's one thing, and we take it outside of faith in this moment, is this, this, is those who become lifelong learners. Those who become lifelong learners in itself become a pattern of life and growth. I was thinking about this this week again because of being around mom and dad. My 85-year-old father is always monkeying around with technology, more so than me. He keeps asking me questions like I know something, which I don't. I, I, I always ask other people, so what do I do with this? I don't know. So he'll pull up stuff and say, well, I'm trying this out. So what's this mean? Uh, uh, let me go Google that. I'll be right back. You know, I, I don't know. But it, it's, it's amazing watching this lifelong learning. He's lately gotten into Facebook. 
And he is the most amazing, outside of my wife, the most amazing Facebook user ever because everything he writes and puts in there is words of encouragement. Words of encouragement from Scripture, words of encouragement about what's going on in the Bible study this morning that he teaches at his own church. When he sees someone who writes in hurting, he doesn't pile on in negative ways or ways that we see so often people. He writes words from the scriptures that encourage. And I, I love the fact that he's a lifelong learner because Facebook would be hurting without him because we need someone who brings learning and encouragement. The last two months, we've spent more time trying to figure out if his Skype works. It wasn't his fault, but he had a non-working microphone on his computer. But what that meant was, like once a day for about two weeks, let's try it again. Okay. So he'd come on. I can't hear you. Can't hear you. But he would not give up. You know, he's a lifelong learner and has a desire to utilize the tools, read the things. Our conversation at home this week is all around various places where he's growing and learning. You know what that does to me when he's talking about where he's learning and growing? It pulls me up to think deeper. It pulls me up to talk about that. It pulls me up to talk. There's no retirement from life but being built up. Is that your legacy too? Pulling people along, being pulled along, finding those people. When the, uh, when the writer to, uh, to Jude says here, to be built up in that holy faith is not only yourself bringing others along, but finding those who help pull you along, those who will challenge you. Because that's a legacy worth duplicating. Where's it saying, yeah, I went to school, I got through all that stuff. I'm done. Or, I used to work, but I'm retired. Baloney! There is no such thing as retirement in the Bible. God is simply finding a new place for you to go, His beloved, and be built up. For some of you, what's that meant? It's just been a joy to watch as those who've made the transitions into independent or assisted living and seeing those new mission fields just expand out. We had a funeral last Sunday afternoon here, and of all things, Judy Roberts showed up, age 98. I know she's 98 because she told me several times. But beyond that, what she kept telling me is what God is doing where she's at. Because at 98, she's got a lot to do with those old people, most of who are 15 years younger than her. I'm picking on her because she's not here, but I can pick on any number of people that I'm looking at right now and say, this is what I see God doing. It's a legacy of beloved. It's a legacy of being built up, and it's a legacy of this, he says, to be praying in the Holy Spirit. And I, I, I just kind of think of it this way, leaning into God. Not getting so lost in the world that we don't forget that he is the one that we lean into praying in the Holy Spirit. Seeking him when the children are young and we're getting no sleep. Seeking him when our kids are teenagers. Seeking God when we're teenagers and we're wanting him to grow up our parents. Seeking us when we're in that generational point where we're raising our parents and our kids. Praying and leaning in 
Because what we want to do is what we're known for is then also is are we providing a good map? Are we providing a map? And I know for some of us at times we wonder if the people in our life are watching the map. But you know, when we keep with the map, when we continue to provide the patterns, when we continue to move and lean into God, people are always watching, even if it seems like they're drifting. It says here, keep, verse 21, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus that leads to eternal life. You know, there's kind of this balance here. I know there can be this overly concerned about, I'm just waiting for heaven, and we're not waiting for heaven, but we have an eye on heaven. It helps us keep a crisper look on earth. Because he says that we're aware of and we're thinking about and we know that our eternal life is there because of the mercy, but we're keeping ourselves in the love of God. And what do we know about the love of God? The love of God reaches into the hearts and lives of people in need. The love of God continues to work and continues to see the opportunities. The love of God gives us a new and different attitude even about our work. Is it my work that defines me or is it my work, my opportunity to define God before others? There's a big difference. And I can enjoy my work or I can despise my work, but if I see it as an opportunity, my attitude is to use that and to be utilized by God as a way by which his love is kept, that there may be others touched because of my life and yours. To provide a good map is to know that there are times in that map there's going up and down. There are those times in which we dip, but a map tells us that we always know where we're going. We always know the destination, and if the destination is clear, then as we go along, we're clear about what we are doing here and now. So we want to be active in the love of God, but balance that with knowing where we're going in eternity. Now this next one is, in a sense, maybe a bad thing because it's not a scriptural in the sense of do unto others as they would do unto you as others would use that, but to realize that God says because we have this, are we utilizing this? Now the, the context again would indicate to us that he's talking about those in the church who are being confused by false doctrine, those who are teaching false doctrine, those who are, uh, are just getting ground up in the, in the aspect of this. But if we think about these words also, that this is the world we live in. He says this in verse 22, and have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garments stained by the flesh. Now this little section here just shows again the heart of God. The heart of God which desires to find more of those to him who are beloved. Because you see the expanse here of those who, because of confusion, are just in doubt. And does that not describe most of the people that we know and see, most of what's reported on? Is it not confusing to figure out with immigration as people storm against the borders? Are we more of those who are trying to keep safe the people of our country or to reach out to those in need? Are they truly in need? 
What is it when you drive by someone on 1960 and they have their hand out? Is it better to give them money or am I only perpetuating their need by perpetuating a welfare versus being able to be brought up and lifted up or to lead them to those opportunities and resources here? What is? And for ourselves, it's a confusing matter, isn't it? But he says your life is one that you continue to see through what God is doing, that we're going to have mercy on those who doubt, save others by snatching them out of the fire, that the whole draw that we have is to do that which is best to bring people to become what they are in Jesus Christ. I do get excited about the Grand Parkway expansion because of this, is that we know that new always has the best opportunity for drawing in new. There are more opportunities as we plant churches above and beyond now what we even do to bring in more adults by baptism. More opportunities to bring in whole families because when there's new, there's oftentimes less of a barrier to walk into that new. What it also does is it tells us who we are because it defines us as being on a mission that we never shut down or put up walls here, but we always become that place by which also others are taught and brought into the faith. And so by starting new, it not only does something there, but it does something in us. It brings alive the opportunities and the needs that there are people without Jesus Christ, that we understand these words that we're going to be having mercy on those who doubt, save others by snatching them out of the fire, to others show mercy with fear. And here when he says, hating even the garment stained by the flesh, it's kind of bringing out that picture of those who were lepers in that day, and their very garments would become soiled and toxic. So he says, what's their hope? Their hope is Jesus. Their hope is through the church. Their hope is through the word that we never become ourselves just for ourselves here, that we give a map to our children. We give hope to a generation by saying we are here because God has called us. And so that Grand Parkway start is a great way because God will be providing new and ways and, and, and opportunities and bridges for people, but it also will for us remind us who we are and then finally, to be a benediction. You know, every Sunday we either say or, or sing the words of the benediction. And I'm afraid that if we use a benediction as some think that to be is only a dismissal. Time to go. I know it's the end of the benediction for some of you because you're thinking donuts. Some of you are even going for donuts. But a benediction is more than a dismissal. It is a blessing it is the impetus of God placing on us and saying, I bless you, you are mine. But it, beyond that, it's also saying, you're leaving, being blessed. Go out as a blessing. Go out and be this to the world. That for us as a congregation, that whenever we come and worship together, we come to be blessed so that God will take that blessing and then send us out. So when we sing or say those words, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give you peace. That those are the calling words flowing through our veins that in Jesus Christ, his death on the cross, his life again in the tomb, his life through us. That after we've said this is the vision, this is what God is doing through us, it points us to the fact that you and I truly, our legacy is this, to be a benediction.
if you hadn't thought about it at Thanksgiving, if you didn't look around the table, if you didn't look through the phone message or the Skype or whatever you were doing, you are missing and recalling who you are. You are God's benediction. Words of peace. Words of faith. Words of hope. For a world dying to know that God loves them. We can do more together because when we take the multiple benedictions and multiply them in our lives to where we go, then God is truly one who's able, as it says here in this verse, to keep us from stumbling, to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. And then Jude gets this excitement of this writing is to this. It says, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, authority, all time, before all time, and now and forever. We have a lasting impact because in Christ, it goes before and it goes after us to be a benediction. Father in heaven, we give thanks to you. We don't often think about our long-term legacy, either alone or together, but we are. Help us to remember, take our life, use it in such a way that wherever we are, because of Jesus, our life, our words, our thoughts, our attitudes all become your benediction. In Christ's name, amen. And we stand and sing. Take my life.